Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. This is Market View. Joining me as we break down all the market action. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Welcome back, Michelle. I can see you are glowing from coming back from holiday. And thank you so much for bringing back some souvenirs for me. I've got in front of me uh, what's called a ho-ho. <laughs> uh, it's H-O-H-O. It says rolled chocolate cake filled with cream and coated with cocoa. So... I imagine it's a delicacy of sorts. It is a sweet treat, Ryan Huang. I hope you enjoy it. I know you take your calories very seriously. So it's worth it, I suppose, if it comes from you. It is rolled chocolate cake, basically, in Mm, your palm. Enjoy. All right, Ryan, looking good, but we must segue to the Middle East where Hamas launched a surprise military attack against Israel over the weekend. I was up all night just uh, looking at the videos Really horrified by what's happening. The invasion is the latest incursion into Israeli territory in 50 years. More than 1,100 people in Israel and Gaza have been killed so far. The death toll is expected to rise. Much of Gaza, meanwhile, in the dark as Israel has cut off the territory's electricity supply. Now, apart from the humanitarian, the political costs of this incredibly deadly war, investors this morning are assessing the extent to which the violence will impact global equity and commodity prices. So what are we seeing so far in the oil markets? Yeah, quite heartbreaking when you look into the stories of how people are being affected. Uh, Of course, the other implications are going to be what's in store for markets down the road. And of course, the immediate one seems to be question marks around oil prices already going into the opening hours. We have oil prices spiking and that is to the tune of over 3% when you look at what's happening for crude and WTI plus Brent. Uh, So crude oil prices are up by right now, just higher by 5.3%. So when I started the morning show, Mm -hmm. it was up by around 3 plus percent. So it does continue to climb up higher. The Brent crude prices are up by 5.4%. So... Brent crude just trading under $90 at the moment. So continuing to creep up as a bit of a, I suppose, knee-jerk response to the weekend action where we saw, of course, thousands of rockets landing in Israel from the militant group Hamas. So the question mark again is, where does it go from here? Will we see escalations in detentions? Mm. Will more violence um, happen, will more rockets be launched? And these all will then spill over into many potential scenarios. One, of course, is Hamas uh, is backed by Tehran. So Iran might come into the picture. And then you might see the US come into the picture in terms of potential further enforcement of the ongoing sanctions against Iran when it comes to oil exports or even more sanctions against Iran. So you've got that in the mix. And of course, you've got investors a bit jittery. And right now, um, that's being reflected in the what's called war risk premium Mm. when it comes to oil prices.
Wall risk premium and Brent crude currently trading north. Uh, last we checked with Ryan, it was about 90 US dollars a barrel. And you're right, Ryan, the key question for many market watchers, I think, is going to be whether this war remains contained, to what extent it'll expand, uh, include other regional actors as well, such as Hezbollah, which is backed in, uh, based in Lebanon, but backed by Iran. If we take a look at the equity markets, meanwhile, major markets in the Middle East all traded sharply lower on Sunday, not much of a surprise there. The benchmark Tel Aviv 35 index fell 6.5%. That is its biggest drop in three years. So what is the picture like for the rest of the region? Yeah, so it's going to be quite interesting because you've got markets in the region closed. That includes Korea, closed for Hangul Day, which is the invention of the Korean alphabet. And also in Japan, you've got markets closed because of National Sports Day. So two big markets out of action. Mm. Um, I suppose Hong Kong, to some extent, will be quieter because you've got Typhoon Koinu um, being braced for. So at least in the morning, you've got markets closed there. But you've got Chinese markets coming back online and they have some catching up to do digesting all the action in the past week because of Golden Week. And looking at the action in Australia now, slightly in the green by 0.3%. So I suppose it is going to be markets reflecting some level of um, caution as they take on board a lot of factors. And if you look at what we saw on Sunday, you pointed out the markets in Israel were down big time, their biggest drop in about three years. And if you look at what played out in other Middle Eastern markets as well, that also saw plunges in their stock markets. So all in, you've got a lot weighing on market sentiment for stocks, at least in the near term. We will be keeping an eye on the Middle East and we certainly hope that the fighting will come to a quick end. I want to turn back to oil for a moment. We talked earlier about how the conflict may lead to a jump in prices, but if we look at their absolute levels as well as their general trend, the picture is quite different from just a couple of weeks ago. Brent crude hit 96 US dollars a barrel on September 27th. Since then, it has dropped significantly. No one's talking about $100 barrels anymore. In fact, analysts at City think that oil could drop to the low 70s next year. What a for this change? Yeah, so you've got a lot of factors in the equation of oil. That includes both supply and demand. And the demand picture right now doesn't look so rosy. When you look at the, I guess, negative headlines abound, especially what's playing out in China. Mm. Now we've got people cutting back on their forecasts for growth in China. And of course, China is a huge energy consumer. Once that is part of the equation, it will mean the oil demand outlook is also going to be impacted to some extent. So I think that's one part. And of course, the rest of the world also consumes oil um, when your economies are not chugging along as strong as you're expecting. To some extent, that is going to play out. And I think we will get a bit of an update from um, the World Bank tomorrow when they update their global growth forecast. So that's going to be perhaps another sign or road sign for markets to understand or digest where demand might go for the coming year. So that's um, weighing on markets when it comes to oil prices or at least 
in the longer term. Still on the topic of oil, one of the world's biggest oil companies, ExxonMobil, is looking to grow even bigger. It is reportedly in talks to acquire a company called Pioneer Natural Resources. This is a deal that could be worth as much as 60 billion US dollars. If this acquisition goes through, by the way, it will be the largest of the year. 60 billion, a lot of money even for an oil giant, Ryan, though it is worth pointing out that Exxon enjoyed record profits last year. It netted almost as much as the value of this proposed deal. Imagine that. Mm. So, Ryan, tell us, what does ExxonMobil see in Pioneer that it wants? Yeah, so ExxonMobil going into the shale oil space. So, Pioneer is a big player in that field. Mm -hmm. And if it does take over Pioneer, it will be the biggest deal of the year. And I guess it's a sign that they are still eyeing growth in fossil fuels to some extent. As the world continues to transition towards a greener future, they still see enough market potential for fossil fuels. And I think uh, this investment is uh, something they are putting their money where their mouth is. If the acquisition goes through, ExxonMobil will become the dominant U.S. producer of shale oil. One of the biggest hurdles that it faces, though, assuming it does reach a deal with Pioneer, is regulatory approval. So the Biden administration has been trying to clamp down on higher oil prices, which could lead regulators to seriously question any deal that gives an oil company greater market power. Walk us through this. Yeah, I I realize I'm not... Everyone might be familiar what shale oil is. So besides pumping straight out of the ground, you can also uh, use technologies to extract even more oil from rocks. So that's where ExxonMobil is going. So going back to that deal, uh, we are going to see potentially a big company becoming bigger. And of course, this comes with many possible issues. For example, uh, an unfair level playing field, unfair uh, playing field for the rest of the industry. And this is where antitrust questions might be asked and where regulators will be taking a closer look if this is something they want to approve um, in order for the oil industry to have a healthy uh, ecosystem. Shares of Pioneer Natural Resources jumped more than 10% on Friday. ExxonMobil shares fell 1.7%. That's market reaction to the news for you. 19 minutes past nine. Good morning. Let's turn to overall markets now. As you all know, I was away for a couple of weeks. And over the past fortnight, with the exception of NASDAQ, markets in the US and across Asia generally all lost ground. Tokyo, one of the worst performers, dropping more than 4%. The Dow Jones Industrial average fell 1.6% over the past fortnight, despite a strong rally on Friday. I think I need you to help me fill me in, Ryan. (laughs) So what happened when I was gone? How has the market narrative changed? Gosh, uh, so you left when it was just about the till end of September. And this is where 10-year bond yields were trading. We were at around Mm 4.5%. And right now, looking at bond yields, um, we've reached nearly... 4.8, 4.9%, 4.8, 16-year highs. Just a reflection of how much expectation there is for rates to continue to stay elevated and maybe even hiked down the road. And I think that's the thinking here that has continued to um, build on the past few days or even weeks that we might be due for hikes 
in rates or even rates to stay higher for longer based on some of the jobs data we've been getting. Mm-hmm. Just last Friday, we saw the non-farm payrolls coming in and that was hotter than expected at over 300,000 nearly double what the consensus forecast is. So the jobs market still quite resilient and markets are just thinking, hey, maybe the Fed's not done yet. As I mentioned, well, thank you for that great catch-up, Ryan. Um, the Dow rallied nearly 1% on Friday, I saw. NASDAQ did even better, jumping 1.6%. US shares didn't start out in the green, though it was sort of a whipsawed day on Wall Street. Drops in the morning, afternoon rally, investors sold off after learning that US employers added nearly twice as many jobs last month as expected. Now, while that might sound like good news, investors initially worried that this would put pressure on the Fed to keep interest rates higher for longer. So I'm I'm wondering what happened in the afternoon. I mean, was this a case of bargain hunters stepping in or something else going on? Yeah, this is the part of the show where we start making up reasons because (laughs) there are no clear answers. So like you pointed out, typically when you get hotter than expected numbers, it would lend the narrative that, hey, you might see rates staying higher for longer, which is typically headwinds or bad news for stocks. But midway through the session, things turned around and we ended the session, well, mostly green. So what's going on here? So you've got a couple of potential theories here Mm -hmm. why that happened. One is if you look into the data, there were some lines of data that supported that, hey, maybe there is a moderation of stuff going on in terms of the economy. So one is the wage numbers. So we did see softer wages. So perhaps a sign that that front at least is easing up and maybe employers don't need to pay as much, which could then lead to an easing of inflation down the road. Uh, So that's one thing. Now, of course, we've talked about bond yields. They stay elevated for quite some time, Mm. 16-year highs. So the thinking here is perhaps conditions have been rather oversold. And that's one reason perhaps technically on technical grounds, things started to unwind to some extent for maybe algo reasons or for traders putting where their stop losses are. So that unwound to some extent going into the weekend. So these are among some of the potential reasons why we did see what we saw. Great potential reasons there. Bond deals really in focus. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note jumped to 4.78% on Friday. That is its highest level in nearly uh, more than 15 years, to be honest. Aside from rates, Ryan, tell me, what else are you seeing on your radar for the week ahead? Yeah, I've got China in focus. So we've got not just data, which comes in the form of consumer price inflation numbers, but also so what's going to be the reaction to the so-called big reopening? Mm. And to give you a sense of what's going on, of course, China comes back from Golden Week. And of course, Golden Week, we had people on holiday. What do people do on holidays? They go shopping or go on tours. And if you look at some of the early data points, what happened in Macau, for example, we had lots of tourists going into the gaming haven where we have seen tourist numbers nearly reach pre-pandemic levels, Mm. about 84% of 2019 levels. But guess what? The money that's coming in is already surpassing pre-COVID levels, 110% of 2019 levels. That's based on the estimates from JP Morgan. So already you've got more money coming in, even though 
the crowd is not at 100%. Imagine if it is 100%. So that's a reflection perhaps of the spending sentiment that you have right now among Chinese tourists. And I think you've encountered some as well when you were in Egypt. So I'm yeah. not sure if you can sense that same level of um, bullishness as well. Yeah, I mean, prior to that, just about a week before that, I was uh, on a panel looking at tourism and the panel experts said, you know, basically said Chinese tourists were not yet out in force. They were seeing more single tourists rather than group mm. tourists. That all changed with Golden Week. Um, I'm, the groups that were out there that I witnessed were in full force, it felt like, you know. It felt like pre-COVID days. I need to look at earnings season because it is upon us once again. And this week, we're going to keep an eye on JP Morgan as well as PepsiCo and US airline carrier Delta. We'll try to get through as much of our up or down list as we can because I know you're waiting for that. I am. Uh, first up, let's look at the pharmaceutical giant Bristol Myers Squibb. Yeah, here is another company looking to get bigger. Um, this is with Brits- Bristol Myers Squibb looking to acquire Murati Therapeutics. And this is the cancer drug maker in what's um, being involved is the lung cancer drug Krasati. So if Bristol Myers can acquire it, it can then get that drug and just get more revenue streams. So this is going to be a deal worth up to $5.8 billion. So an up for me for Bristol Myers Squibb. Up for me as well. If it adds Krasati to its portfolio, that is definitely an up for this pharmaceutical company. Next up, let's look at Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing or TSMC. Okay, I am looking at TSMC as a bit of a mixed bag, but I would go with down because revenue is down. The talk about AI, all these chips they have been making for these AI players, um, despite all that, has not managed to offset the slide in third quarter revenue. So based on that basis, I am putting it down for TSMC. TSMC closed up three quarters of a percent in Taipei on Friday. They are up more than 18% since Mm. the beginning of the year. But I join you there with that down call. TSMC's revenue slipped less than expected in the third quarter of the year. But we are seeing demand from uh, AI players like NVIDIA partially offsetting sagging sales uh, to Apple. I'll keep an eye out on TSMC for you. Do we have time for Amazon, do you think? I think so. How's Amazon looking? All right, so I am looking at an app for Amazon. So this is where we have a company called Waitrose. It's a British supermarket. And they are in talks with Amazon to sell groceries on Amazon's online marketplace. So it's a sign of one big player recognizing that Amazon is a go-to place for them to reach out to a bigger audience or bigger market. So an up for Amazon. It should be an up for Amazon. On top of that, Amazon is also testing satellites in a challenge to Elon Musk's Star link network amazon says its satellites will provide fast affordable broadband to underserved uh, economies communities so definitely an up for amazon today two minutes on the clock ryan i wanted to look at top glove just what what is your brief on top glove up or down yeah it's going to be a down for me so it's losing more money Mm. and this is a tune of 134 million dollars which is, well, more than eight times what it lost the previous year. So you've got that 
weighing on Top Glove. Top Glove clearly struggling to find its post-pandemic footing. I join you in that down call as well. All right, Ryan, our last word today belongs to Taylor Swift. I'm going to hold that off till tomorrow. All you Swifties, give you another reason to tune in. Thank you very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle. Stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.